My name is Julie Caraccio, host of the podcast, Clear Your Clutter Inside and Out. And if you want to learn how to define your best life and have the courage to live it, you should be listening to the More Than Corporate podcast with my good friend, Amber Fuhrman. Welcome to the More Than Corporate podcast, where we discuss finding fulfillment, defining success, and living your best life. There's no roadmap to success, no one-size-fits-all answer to fulfillment. I believe it requires us all to be vulnerable and authentic about what we want to accomplish and have the courage to step out of our comfort zone to chase our dreams. Keep listening to hear stories from inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day. Julie, thank you so much for coming on the show with us. I really appreciate it today. Hey, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I am so excited that we made this happen. For those of you not included in the inside conversation. I've had to cancel this a couple times because of internet problems. So I'm glad that we were actually able to make it happen. I'm super excited to dig into what you do. I think that you have a really interesting approach to life and everything that surrounds us and whatever life entails. And so I can't wait to let you dig into that. Before we start, I would love to have you just tell everybody a little bit about what it was like for you growing up and what you thought you were your life was going to look like when you were like in high school age. Oh, that's a great question. So I grew up in Wheeling, West Virginia. I'm a mountain mama, proud to say that. And I grew up with my entire family in town, which, you know, I don't think is typical these days. <laughs> so I had, you know what, a relatively happy childhood was a tomboy did a lot of athletics. I was really good at ice hockey, enjoyed that. And when I was in high school and I was in six, I wanted to be an archaeologist. I told my mom, I'll bring you old bones for your present. And then when I was in high school, you know what? I thought for a time, for a long time, I'd end up an attorney. I come from a family of attorneys, but I thought that the sanity, you know, the insanity had to stop with my generation. (laughs) Although at the moment I'm wishing that I had gone to law school, but it is okay. I'm teaching myself a lot, but that's really the road that I thought that I'd end up on. And I had graduated from high school and I had worked in Acadia national park. So that summer I, I graduated. I'm like, and I don't know what I'm going to do. So I'm going to work in Acadia national park through the season. Then I'm going to travel cross country. And I remember at the beginning I had signed up to take LSATs and I said to my dad, I don't want to be a lawyer. I just (laughs) can't do it. And he said, I want you to be who you are as long as you're unethical and you don't do anything unethical, illegal, or moral, we're good. So far, so good on that. So that's how I thought what it ended up taking lots of turns throughout life, but I'm happy. That's amazing. And I can tell you, I love what I do, but it is certainly not for everybody. And there are times that I wish I would have listened when I said I didn't want to be an attorney. So (laughs) um, I can relate to that completely. And I think it's totally amazing that your family would be so accepting of the fact that you weren't going to take that career path. Is your family college educated as well, or were you a first-generational college student? No. My parents both have advanced degrees. My aunts and uncles have advanced degrees, and my grandparents, well, my father's parents, that side had advanced degrees, and my other grandparents all had degrees. So fairly educated, and I'm the weird kid, and they've always been supportive of that. And and you know what, in one of my book dedications, that's what I said. I said, a child who has parents that accept them 100% and their grandchildren is very lucky. 
Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And, you know, I get into this conversation with some people often about the way that we talk to kids when we're trying to figure out what their future holds. And one of the most frustrating things that I hear people ask a child over and over and over again is, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the reason that I dislike that so much is because for two reasons. Number one, it presupposes that who they are isn't enough and they have to become something else. Yes. But it also puts them in a situation where we should always be thinking about what's next for us, but we should also be enjoying what we have right now. And I feel like we've gotten to the point where we're asking kids that are six, seven, eight years old in first and second grade, what do you want to be when you grow up? Let them be kids. I love that. I am a thousand percent agreement. You know, I lived in Los Angeles for 10 years. I'm currently in the Raleigh, North Carolina area, but that's a great example because you have kids who are, they're interviewing for kindergarten, they're interviewing for preschool. When you step back and think about that, at least to me, I'm like, I don't think that's a good place to be. And all the academic pressure and all the things that you have to get to do in college. And, you know, college isn't for every kid. And that, I mean, didn't Bill Gates drop out and he's a millionaire? Didn't Steve Jobs drop out and he's a bazillionaire? You know, it's, it's not for everyone. It is not. What I will say as a caveat to that, though, is that education and schooling are two very different things. Education and knowledge or however, if you want to put education and schooling in one bucket, the knowledge goes in the other bucket and they are not interchangeable. I've had people that have graduated from college that have very little knowledge and people who (laughs) never went to college that have a ton. So, and that's where I think your Bill Gates comment comes into play because he's probably one of the smartest people. He knows a ton um, about a bunch of different subjects. He just didn't go to school and have somebody teach him. Right. Oh, and that by, yeah, I'm in total agreement that, you know, and I've met people who are street smart more so than quote unquote educated smart. Sometimes street smart's going to help you more than what you learned in a book. 100%. So the moral of this part of the conversation Mm -hmm. is you do you, right? Whatever feels right to you, just make sure you're learning along the way. And I will say from my story, actually having that college education was a little bit of a detriment because I feel like on this assembly line of college, we are taught that there's an end game. And so I felt like there was going to be this point where I had learned what I needed to learn and life was just going to fall into place. You know, you graduate, nobody talks about what happens after you graduate when you got to get a job and still learn and do all this stuff. And so for me, that's where life really started to get difficult. When I was in school, I was always focusing on that graduation. And then once I graduated, I was like, what the hell do I do now? So I feel like we could do better all around in that area for sure. And I think also we can teach life skills. Like I think you should be able to learn how to effectively have a conversation with someone if you have a different viewpoint and not kill each other. You should be (laughs) able to balance a checkbook. You should be able to have some sort of mindfulness practice to keep your emotions in check so that you don't, you know, you don't just randomly express your anger. There are a lot, you know, if I was in charge of the school system, I'd definitely do some overhauling. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know what the right answer is, but I know there's something. So, so you decide you're not going to go to law school. And at this point, just to fast forward a little bit, you have this amazing outlook on life um, relating to clutter. And I know that we all think of clutter in our house, but very few of us think of clutter in our life. So how did you get from possibly going to law school to talking to people about the clutter they don't see in their life? Well, we had a few stops along the way. They included (laughs) living in Vermont, 
working for an environmental company, doing a nanny stint for a couple years in Massachusetts near Boston, then going out to Los Angeles. When I first went there, I had so many temp jobs. I can't even tell you how many that was. And then I got into development and grant writing and was a director of development, moved out here to North Carolina, and I had the worst job possible. And boy, am I grateful for it every day because I thought, can't get worse than this. What, <laughs> what can I do? I want to start my own business. So I I'm still a professional organizer. I would call myself a professional declutterer, probably more so because I'm so passionate. And so when I first started my business, which I recommend never changing your name, it was healing through organization because I wanted to support people in healing. And then I had a client and, and then I started an online internet TV show where I'd go to a studio and interview people called Reawaken Your Brilliance. And I absolutely love that because, you know, I'm so happy you asked about childhood because all our junk happens in childhood. We come yeah, into this world perfect and then society happens to us. Maybe it's our family, maybe it's our friends. And so we forget our awesomeness. And so I had a conversation with the client and she said, can we just talk? And I was like, Oh, this is making me nervous. Now, you know, <laughs> I consider coaching part of what I do for organizing, but she really needed to talk about some stuff and she needed someone to listen and in that moment, I'm like, ah, it's more about the clutter. It's less about the organizing. It's really about the clutter in my perspective. Yeah. And I think there's so much there, both actually physical clutter and what that clutter represents. Because, I mean, I know that watching Porter's marathons doesn't make me an expert, but I will say that it teaches you enough about the fact that it's never about the stuff. Like nobody's holding on to their stuff because they want the stuff. Like there's exactly. always something else. And, and, that, and I'm glad, you know, when you see it, the hoarding, it's an extreme and there's usually a, a fairly deep psychological challenge going on but it's true if you're not a hoarder like why are we holding on to this stuff what's it really about and i believe that the inner world is reflected in the outer world so if you have a lot of clutter in your room you probably have some clutter inside going on whether it's mental emotional spiritual relationships health whatever it is that's been my experience that there's a correlation yeah and i one of the things that i really resonated with when i was looking through some of your content was this idea of different areas of your life so i'm a huge proponent of the life wheel are you familiar with that mm -mm. so the life wheel and i talk about it a ton here i should probably just put it as my background <laughs> but my li the life wheel is almost like a trivial pursuit wheel with a bunch of little sections in it and they represent the sections of your life that are important to you so that can be money relationships finance all the stuff right and you grade yourself from 0 to 10 and put a little dot in that spoke from where you're at and then you connect them in hopes to have a well-rounded right life right it's this this other side of work-life balance where you actually get to look at all the aspects of your life and when i was looking through your content and you were talking about decluttering through all the different areas of your life that's exactly what i thought of is when do we step back and see are my finances cluttered are my and for me personally when I get cluttered um, or disorganized or overwhelmed or whatever that word is for you, I bury my head in the sand and wait until it's just so heavy that you have to make choice. And I would imagine that you experience that with some of your clients as well. Oh, most definitely. Because a lot of times people are overwhelmed and they don't know where to start. And one thing that I think is really important is 
I don't know what's best for my clients. They have all the wisdom within. And so I see my job as supporting that and holding space for their wisdom to come through. And it's just about sometimes handholding, literally and figuratively and being like, okay, we'll let's take this one step at a time. You've got this. And understanding this is where I'm good. You might be good with budgeting. You might be good at arguing in court. We all have different gifts and talents. And this is how I can support you. And, and you know, it's funny. I was talking about financial clutter once. And I said, first, open your bills. And some people kind of chuckled. And I said, some people don't open their bills because they're so afraid to deal with it. Yeah. You know, so it's typical to, for, to sometimes be like, you know what? I, I, I just see the bigness. I, I just can't even see or the, the tree in front of the forest because there's so much. Yeah. So we talk about this often in relationship to coaching and I know that people, so now coaching has become so much more prevalent, but there was some point in time where people were like, what the hell are you doing with a coach? You know, do you think this person's going to fix your life? And in reality, all that person is doing is exactly what you just said, like helping you take this big elephant in front of you and break it down because we get so overwhelmed that we can't see the whole picture. And so you're like, you know what, just start with this bill. Just start with this. And there's a ton of resources out there to do it. But if that's all it was, was the knowledge, then we would have it done already. There's that other part of getting out of our own way that we need somebody to help walk us through. Exactly. And then, you know, and be compassionate with yourself. No judgment. Because when we sit in judgment of ourselves, that just can take us down a spiral and feel like, you know what, I'm not this, I'm not that. And judging yourself instead of removing that and saying, okay, where can I start? What one step can I take today? Because judgment allows us to stay stuck. What one step can I take today? I really like that so much because it's that one first step that gets you out and that action. And then normally, once you get that first step done, then the rest just kind of falls into place. Now, do you have a particular area you'd like a first step or just in general? In general, whichever one I, you think would be most beneficial. Oh gosh, because there's so many areas of clutter. Well, right say- now, let's stick in maybe the, right now, given the fact that we're in the middle of this horrible pandemic where everybody's social distancing and changing the way that their life looks. Why don't we stay in the mental health space? Just breathe. When all else fails, just breathe. You know what? It's free. You can easily do it. You can close your eyes. You can right now take five deep breaths. And what that does is that gets you in the present moment. The present moment is our point of power to change. If I'm worried what's going to happen a week from now, am I still going to be on home isolation? You really don't have a lot of control over that. But when you're in the present or if you're like worrying like, oh my gosh, I should I like, you know, should I have said that on the date? Does he like me? Blah, blah, blah. It's already <laughs> happened, right? So let's get present because that's our point of power to change and take action. So I would say breathe. Breathing gets us centered and it tends to get us, most of us in the present moment. And then you can go with clarity. What's my next step? Absolutely. And so as far as when you're working with your clients and you get to that clarity point, because everybody has to do some trial and error to figure out what method they find clarity from, what is your um, kind of go-to or your advice to clients that are completely confused and they need to find clarity and they have no idea where to start? I am a big fan of having a mindfulness practice. Because again, that takes you into the present moment. It calms your mind. And when you center and have a mindfulness practice, you can hear your soul. 
you know, I mentioned a moment ago, you have all the answers within your soul's like, hello, I'm here to give you all the good advice if you want it and listen. And you know, being having a mindfulness practice doesn't mean sitting with your thumb and your second (laughs) finger and on a Zafu. I tried to learn meditation that way didn't work for me. Mowing grass, boy, do I get into a meditative state. I have a friend that listens to classical music. And so finding, make it fun, make a game out of it. How can I be more mindful? How can I bring that into my practice? And maybe it's closing your eyes five minutes. Maybe it's sitting out in nature with a cup of coffee in the morning for 10 minutes. But that's something, again, giving you mental clarity that allows you to tune into your inner guidance. Awesome. And then are you a proponent of lists and organization that way? Or do you normally advise that people kind of take stock and deal with things um, as they come with the thing that's right in front of them and then go from there? What is, what is your practice in that way? Well, one, it's, it's going to really depend on the individual. And having said that, I'm going to talk on both sides on this because I made a recent change. So actually, I can appreciate this. Use a legal pad. I've gotten a lot of work done this week. And so (laughs) one of the things that I've started to do is when I don't have a client, I wake up in the morning, I have my to-do list. What am am I most motivated to do? What feels good in this moment? Oh, writing. Let's sit down and write some blog. Mm, Not feeling that. Oh, maybe I need to edit a video. And so if I have a flexible schedule, it's tuning in and saying, what am I in the best mindset to accomplish right now? I am a big proponent of writing things down because if we don't write them down, they don't tend to get done. Now, you know, it depends on what's a situation that's arising. Is it a true emergency that I need to deal with right now? Or is it something, you know what, it's not, it's about being able to prioritize and plan. And I'm a huge believer in prioritizing and understanding that comes with making decisions. I used to be called indecisive one in college. (laughs) If I can learn how to make decisions, you can. And that that's going to help you navigate more easily. And the other big thing that I did starting this year to my schedule is, and I don't write this down because I think if I would write this down, it'd become too much of it to do. And I don't want it to be a chore. I want it to be natural. And so every single day I take self time. The self is really broad. It can be hanging with the cats. It can be playing cards with my husband. It can be going out and hugging a tree. It can be taking a bubble bath. I've had days where, you know what, I just, three o'clock, I need to go have a bubble bath. And so honoring that, but in my day, at some point, I'm taking care of myself. And I found that that allows me to be the best version of me. So there's so much in there that is powerful and I resonate with a ton. I have one question for you before we jump into what what you just said. And I've heard the idea behind do what motivates you now and that gets you into action and then you move into everything else. I've also heard people talk about the idea of eating your veggies first. Do the stuff that you don't like to do and get that out of the way. I would assume, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that it's kind of just a personality preference of what you like to do as far as which one of those methods might work best for you. Right. And I think that's a great question. I would say that. And so say you're not a morning person. Are you going to eat your veggies first thing in the morning? Are you going to wait until afternoon where you're in a better headspace to eat your veggies? 
Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I know that if I try to do the thing, like if I try to force myself to do something that I'm just not feeling, now we all have to do something we don't want to do, right? Like I've got deadlines, I've got to work on that stuff's got to be done. But this is for the situation where nothing's pressing, but everything's important and has to get done. If I try to force myself to do something I'm not feeling, that turns into a Netflix session for me. (laughs) So for me, if I can, and then I'll, because I need to see, I personally need to see my to-do list getting smaller. And if I'm spending an hour and a half trying to convince myself to do something and my to-do list isn't moving, then I get super frustrated. And I know for myself that a state of frustration turns into inaction. So Mm -hmm. I think it's just about knowing yourself too, I would assume, as far as what, what emotions are you trying to avoid? What emotions shut you down the most? What feelings shut you down the most? Exactly. And then if you're procrastinating, you want to examine that. What's that really about? Because, you know, I've found that you have the surface and then you have the deeper thing that's going on. And a lot of times it not might not be what you initially think. It might be something else. Like, for example, you might, this morning's a great example. I was like, oh, I had a bad day and I'm taking this online herb class. It's great. I'm learning about plants and all this stuff. I said, what thing can I take tea? Can I take, because I'm, well, I have monkey mind. And so people answered, and then the course instructor said, oh, honey, the energy's crazy. And then she said, maybe you need to release an emotion. And as soon as I read that, I teared up. And then I realized, I'm angry. I'm not sad. And I went and went, did my husband <laughs> like, oh, my God, he never seen me do that. And so I went and punched the, punched the air and did some hoo-ha, hoo-ha, and I felt better. And I was like, oh, I did need to get the energy moving. But it, I, it initially was sadness, but then it turned to anger. You know, that's so interesting because so many times I know anybody listening to this that knows me is going to laugh right now, but I am such an overthinker um, more than I ever want to want to acknowledge. And there are times where I will get stuck in that spot where I'm trying to figure out what my emotions mean so much that I'm just layering thought on top of thought on top of thought. And this is where I love your, your mentality of just do something just get into action, just do something because you're going to figure it out when you start moving. You're going to figure out what it is. Right. And you, if you, well, first of all, I don't like the word mistake because if you've learned from it, you haven't made a mistake, but then you course correct. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, oh, so here's an example. So with everything going on and my business has changed and I'm looking at completely as an opportunity, that is my mindset. And, you know, I, I want to share just something really quick because I know a lot of people are struggling right now, but you know, if you think of a straw, and when if you like tight the your milk or your smoothie or your drink can't get through, but when you loosen up and like a river, life can flow. And so when this whole thing went down, because when the first case was announced in North Carolina, I stopped seeing clients. I'm like, I have some elderly clients. I can't live with myself if I would cause anyone harm. And I panicked. And I'm like, oh my God, we're going to be homeless. Right? And went down that complete spiral. And I said, okay, Jewel, let's just breathe. So I took a breath and then I said, okay, what else, what else, what else? And then I let it go. And I said, "Uh, you'll figure something. You're a smart woman. So I'm like, I'm, I am transcribing on my podcast now. I mean, I had never done that. And then an interesting thing happened. I found out I had some income. I was like, oh, we don't have your bank account. I said, oh, that's nice of you to contact me. You know what? It was a nice chunk of change. And I randomly found it. Had I never relaxed into the moment, I believe that allowed life to flow to me because I wasn't in that place of, and I said, it's going to be okay. One day at a time. What can I do in this moment? 
Yeah, absolutely. That's such good advice. One day at a time, just um, keep moving forward. And you're 100% right that those moments of clarity, you know, we started this conversation talking about clarity and those moments of clarity come when you're at a state of calmness. When you've, if you're in that panic spot, focusing on all the things that could go wrong, the answer that sometimes is right in front of you, you're never going to be able to find. I sometimes vision people might call it higher self, sovereign self, my soul wisdom, like beating me on the head. Like I want to come in, let me in. <laughs> when I started doing NLP training, that's what I pictured. Like when I started learning how to listen to my inner voice, I pictured like this thing that had been sitting on my shoulder, just wanting to talk to me the whole time. And I kept ignoring it. Um, little persistent though, and I'm glad. So uh, when you hear that voice and whoever told you talking to yourself is a bad thing, it's not. I talk to myself every day. So you mentioned the podcast. Let's dig into that for just a minute. So you have this um, amazing podcast, excuse me, called Clear Your Clear Your Clutter Inside and Out. What was the motivation behind taking your business and your idea to a podcast? So a couple things. So I've been doing the TV show Reawaken Your Brilliance, which I eventually adopted as my business name, but I have to go to a studio and shoot. And I was like, eh. and then again, I'm driving home or no, it was, I got an email and it was right after I'd seen have an energy healing. And I see this email and podcasting. I'm like, huh, that's interesting. But all these things fell into place saying, do a podcast. And then I was like, well, you know what? I think I should do a podcast. I'm like, yeah, there's some things on organizing. And I said, but you have kind of a really different perspective on clutter. And I didn't feel there was anything like me out there. And I thought, you know, people need, one of the things that frustrates me when it comes to decluttering and organizing is people want to do the latest and greatest. There's never a one size fits all for anyone. And so I thought, I want to get into the meteor stuff. I want to talk about emotional clutter. I want to talk about relation. I want to relate it to the physical stuff. And it's not being offered. So let me create it. That's amazing. And, and this is one of the reasons that I love your message so much is because there's so many people out there that are talking about kind of cleaning up your relationship with emotions. And they're talking about cleaning up your relationship with the people in your life, cleaning up your relationships. And nobody's described it as clutter before. And clutter is something that I can physically understand. The idea behind cleaning up your emotions and cleaning up your relationships, and it's like this abstract idea that I don't get sometimes that, Mm -hmm. you know, you just kind of put your faith in. But when you think about clutter, like I can visualize the clutter in my life and it's a hell of a lot more than the stuff on my bookshelf right now. So (laughs) that's one of the things that I resonate with so much is the way that you've turned that into this understanding for everybody as far as different areas of your life. Outstanding. And one of the reasons that I'm motivated is when you clear your clutter, you can share your gifts with the world. (laughs) You know, I want to be in a world where everyone's doing their passion, where they're happy, where they're excited about living life, and we're not there yet. And if I help support one person, then you support one person, you know, it's a domino effect. Absolutely. So the podcast, first of all, where can people find it? It's called Clear Your Clutter Inside and Out, and it's available on iTunes, Google Play. It should be anywhere that you listen to a podcast. And if not, they're also posted to my website, and I have a link on my website, which is almost redone. I'm getting it updated and looking pretty. This downtime is a good thing for redoing websites, right? And then format. Do you do interviews? Do you do solo? Do you do Q&A? What type of interaction do you have on your podcast? So I have interviews, not a lot. I mainly just do me. And 
I will talk about a subject. I have, since I've begun, I will just write a couple notes. And then I asked before an interview, before doing a podcast episode, what do people need to hear? Use me for the larger message for whoever's listening. It's very important to me to set that intention. And then at the end, I do take action items, right? Because that's what I'm all about. Like you're feeling overwhelmed. It's like kind of a summary of the podcast. Here's what you need to do to move forward. And then, you know, 20 minutes. I sometimes do interviews or share interviews I've done. And, and then we'll also have a handful of guests as long as it relates to clutter. And I'm very particular because I'm like, you know, you need to have someone that resonates. It's on the same page, you know, like someone actually was really nice and contact me. I'm like, yeah, but you know, you have a completely, my audience is spiritual. It's probably not going to, what you do is won't, you know, resonate with my audience. You know, and I, I love that that selectiveness, because I think it's so important for people to acknowledge that we're not for everybody and everybody isn't for us as well. And so I feel like I'm seeing so many people out there that are trying to cast this really wide net and appeal to a wide variety of people. And while they might have the best of intentions, you start to alienate the people that you should be attracting because you're trying to be somebody different than who you are. Exactly. Like I, some of my favorite comments are, I hate your voice. And so I'm like, Hey, isn't it great? We live in America where you get to choose who you listen to. And Oh, interesting. You listen to the whole episode. You know, it is what it is. I had someone get angry at me the other day and I said, I stand by what I say and we can have a different point of view and that's okay. Then you never have to listen to me again. Like it's all good. Find who works for you. Yeah. And let's dig down that rabbit hole for a minute, because this is something that I don't normally get into and talk about on this podcast, but I think it's something that is so important. And that is the ability to continue pushing out content and continue your message when people are telling you that you shouldn't do it. And you know, we all hear that joke or the idea that you finally made it when you have haters, but nobody really likes to read the bad comments. So when you're in that position, how do you push through that inevitable question of um, why am I doing this if I'm taking this kind of, of heat? Most of the time, it's the water off the back. However, not always. And when that moment... I'm like, here's a gift because what others do and say is about them and how I respond about me is, oh, I'm really angry. What is it in me that needs to heal? And then wow. I bring it back to me because I'm like, what do you, and you know, I have to tell you quite honestly, all the comments are a gift. I have a couple episodes planned for the fall. Like someone <clears throat> was like, why are you posting about your business. I'm like, cause I do this for free and I think <laughs> I should be able to promote my business. And so I'm going to do, do an episode on if you expect everything for free on your life, let's have a conversation around that couple. This person in Canada, I have a complete hater stalker who wrote a bad review, didn't feel the bad review was bad enough. So came back to make it even worse. And I think it might be the same person. I thought Canadians, what's up? I thought y'all were nice. And I was like, what are you going to do? If you hate me that much that you need to come back and redo your interview, I can only have compassion for you. Yeah, absolutely. What a sad life you must lead. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like that perspective. I think that 
the idea of how sad your life must be to sit behind a keyboard. And, and this is where on one on my wall in my bathroom, I have written from Brene Brown's power of vulnerability. If you're not also in the arena, getting your ass kicked, I'm not interested in your opinion because while it's not always that easy, that's the best way that I've, I can wrap my head around. I'm doing something, making waves, impacting the people that I need to impact. And if you don't fall in that circle, then you're just not meant to fall in that circle and that's okay. But I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I remember once I saw, I think the best version of the Star Spangled Banner was one that Whitney Houston did several years ago. And I remember like, oh, I want to hear this on YouTube. So I went to YouTube and people would disliked it and had made comments. I'm like, she's one of the greatest singers of all time. <laughs> if Whitney's getting some negative, then I certainly can handle it. For sure. For sure. So I want to switch gears for just a minute. This is the More Than Corporate podcast. And it was started out of this idea that we all need to define our own idea of success. And it's kind of morphed into this idea that it's not just success that we get to define, but it is everything in our life. We get to define the meaning of everything in our life. I'm going to stick with the success for just a minute. What does success mean to you now? And has that definition changed for you throughout your life? Absolutely has changed throughout my life. At this current moment, to me, I'm successful because I'm relatively happy all the time. (laughs) I have a great marriage that I work on. I am the best cat mother. These cats have got it good. I support people. I'm making a difference in the world and I'm happy. When I was younger, I got caught up in how much money am I making? You know, what kind of, I was never super materialistic. Like I don't know anything about cars. I never cared about cars, but in moments I would get caught up, like how much money, like I remember having, my grandmother was an amazing woman and I was super close to her. And I remember my younger cousin was starting in a bank where he still working. And I was going out to Los Angeles. I didn't have a job. I was going on this adventure and I was like, Oh, but I'm not like Tom. And my grandmother's like, you're you, you're going on an adventure and you'll figure it out. It's all good. You need to be you. Tom is Tom. You be you. Love it. And so the follow-up question to this that has arisen as I've continued to ask this question is what is to you the relationship between success and fulfillment? Which one do you think comes first or are they unrelated? I think fulfillment comes first because when you're fulfilled, you're successful because you can quote unquote be successful by someone's standard. But if you're unfulfilled and unhappy, I'm sorry. In my, in my viewpoint, you're not, I mean, you know, it's true. Like money can't buy everything. I mean, I can't imagine living my life without my husband and that's more important than me than making a ton of money by far. Because, and the other thing I would say is I've gotten older. I need less. Like we just downsized last year and you know, I'm really aware of clutter because it's what I do for a living. And I know we really don't have a ton, but I found myself wanting to release even more. And I cherish the moment of nap time. I cherish the coffee on the back porch. You know what I mean? And those are what's fulfilling. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that there's a lot of people that are probably going to be able to resonate with that statement a little bit more right now than they could have two weeks ago. Because I have this go, go, go life. I run a law firm. I have my podcast. I have a coaching business. And I didn't realize how much I had become comfortable being exhausted. 
um, until I was forced to slow down. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, and you know, everybody around me has said it, you know, I, I worry about you because you don't spend mm-hmm. any time at home. I worry about you because you're on the go all the time. You're not good at slowing down. And then all of a sudden when I don't have a choice, for lack of a better word, I've been saying God grounded me. So for, uh, for lack of a better choice or for no other choice, I'm sitting at home. And all of a sudden what you just said is becoming so important. Waking up, hearing the birds in the morning has become a relief. Things I never noticed before. Having Sitting outside on my patio and having a cup of tea in the morning has become something that I'm really grateful to be able to do. And there's a lot of bad things that are happening in the world right now with this pandemic. But what you just said and being able to acknowledge those is something that I think is going to be a positive that comes out of all of this. I'm with you. I mean, look at the Italians singing, the Spaniards playing music, porch concerts. You know, look at the pollution that's gone. I lived in LA for 10 years and I've seen those photos and I was like, wow, the smog has lifted. And it's like about getting back to basics. I look at it as a world reset. They were like, what's really important in our life? Yeah, absolutely. Because we're being asked to redefine that. And we're being asked to redefine how we connect with people. You know, I'm so happy to see all of these Zoom happy hours popping up and everybody connecting and building these relationships and making social distancing work in a way that you can still be social. And so we we get to define what that all looks like instead of just burying ourselves and saying, oh my gosh, the world's coming to an end. Right, exactly. And you know what? You can, I believe where the attention goes, energy flows. And so I was talking to someone and I said, you know, if you think about the virus all the time, I'm not saying that you're going to get it. But what I'm saying is you add energy to that virus. And in my thing, everything's energy, whether you believe that from a spiritual perspective or you believe it from a physics perspective. And so you're just adding and, and adding to the energy of the virus and that allows it to, to grow. Absolutely. So I think that, you know, I ask this question about comfort zones a lot on this podcast, but I think that there's no better time than now as far as its relevance because everybody's out of their comfort zone right now. We have no idea what's coming. So for you, as you're growing your business, as you're growing your life, and even the idea of decluttering can be uncomfortable for some, how do you push yourself through that spot where you know you're going to get to a better place, but everything that you are feeling tells you to retreat back to what's comfortable? When I did the interviewing, so when I did Reawaken Your Brilliance, I always interviewed people and it was primarily on spiritual topics. And every single person I interviewed, and I include myself in this because I, I had to learn this, it was so much more exhausting to hold on to the fear than to actually work, walk through the fire. And the fire wasn't as hot as I thought it would be. And when I got, was walking through, I'm like, what? You were holding on to all this fear. <laughs> you were holding on to all this anxiety. Man, no way. And so because of that experience, it allows me to feel less. So, and it's interesting talking to you about this because sadly we made the mistake and didn't listen to ourselves and joined an HOA. And so we are having, we're going to sue them. They didn't allow us to, to install solar panels. They believe they, the laws on their, are their side, we believe it's not. Anyway, so we're going to go to small claims. We made a conscious decision to not full on do a full court press because it would have been, as you know, a year in court money. <laughs> I wasn't willing to lose my life to that. But we said, you cost us $1,100. And so 
you know, and then, so this past weekend, there was a lot of drama regarding it. And I was slammed, not by name on next door. And it was frustrating because I thought I, I'm not going to do anything before court. I don't want to get emotional and not being able to defend myself and being gaslit, but being able to step back from that and say, this is not about you. This is their drama. They're trying. And I sat with myself and my intuition said to me, they're try- they're scared. They're trying to change your perspective. They don't want you to file the lawsuit. And there are a couple that are arrogant and think that we're wrong. And so it's very uncomfortable for me feeling like the neighborhood hates me. But I'm like, I have to stand up for myself. I have to honor the truth. And, and thankfully, I'm organized, so I have all the records. But it would have cost me more and cost us as a couple more to stay silent and allow ourselves to be bullied. And so I'm having to stay. And so I'm out of the comfort zone. And, you know, and I've got to go to court and I've got to do And well, they're actually canceled for the month. But whenever they go back up again and having people attacking me and not, it's been a challenge. But I know, you know what? You need to stand up. You need to speak your truth. And however the cards, however they lie, that's okay. But you stood up for yourself. You know, it's interesting because I don't think that I've ever heard anybody answer that question in a relationship between cost and benefit, which I, my attorney brain goes <laughs> like, I, I, I'm okay with that. Um, cause cost and benefit is where I spend my career, but you know, the idea of what is this going to cost me? And it can be financial. It can be emotional. It can be experiential. Like what am I giving up by staying in my comfort zone. And then I know that every single person that's listening to this that has a heartbeat has been in a situation where they have overthought something, pushed themselves through it, got to the other end of it and said, well, geez, is that what I was so upset about? And so when you get to that other side and you realize you didn't die and you have this whole new thing, whether it's money experience, whatever, that you now get to put in in your your bucket to carry on with you for the rest of your life. Like that's so worth it. And I feel like the more we do that, the easier it gets, but it all starts with that uncomfortable position. It does. And once you take that first step, then you can take the second and the third, and that allows you to keep moving forward. Absolutely. So I want to ask you about this idea of like the trial and error of life and, you know, what, some call failure. I think that in your, with your background, it's even more relevant because you're trying to be able to get through to people and talk about clutter, talk about decluttering your life. And for a hundred people that you're talking to, they're going to have a hundred different perspectives on what the right way to do this is. So what guidance do you have for people who are maybe hitting a wall and they're not like, they feel like they're failing, but they just haven't had that right path yet. How do you, how do you advise people to keep going? Well, again, it's going to be individualized, but start by breathing. Okay. And then a a, a good self-assessment. And if you need to hire someone, you need to ask a good friend, you know what, Sally, I really want to be an artist, but nothing's happening. You know, maybe, do you really want to be an artist? Let's have a a genuine in-touch talk with our soul. Is that really what you want? Or maybe it's like, you are the most awesomest artist ever, but you suck at marketing. Okay. Well, let's look at, oh, Maybe no one's buying my painting because I don't have a website. Who do I need to hire to make that accomplish that? So again, like having a really honest assessment, I think is very important to that. You know, getting in, having a mindfulness practice, clearing your mental clutter to be able to get in touch with your soul 
is very important. And can rephrase the question again, I'm having a brain moment. Of course. Yeah. So just the conversation is about obviously this idea of failure and just pushing through those perceived failures when you're trying to get back up and and keep moving. Yeah. Well, my brain fart was just a perfect example, you know, but I don't look at this failure. Okay. You know, obviously I probably wasn't saying the, the, the right thing and we need to direct the conversation. First of all, you can't find your greatness without failure. Michael Jordan didn't make his junior high team. Probably one of the greatest basketball players of all time got cut in junior high. Okay. So if you're feeling like a failure, I want you to remember that. I'm going to share a, a small personal example. Well, I'll share two. So when I first started my business, I was the first professional organizer in North Carolina to specialize in eco organization. And people are like, you're going to fail. You are just, you know, wrap it up. It's North Carolina, blah, 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 blah. I won a national award. I won a regional <laughs> award. People look to me for expertise. I did a course, and when did I create this? Five, six years ago, got what I feel now was not so great advice. And I'm like, man, this just sucked. I'm a ding dong. Guess what? I have 10 books out now, and I'm super happy with them. A bazillion times better than the courses, the ideas that I've come up with. And so, but if I hadn't done that course, tried that, and figured like, eh, that's really not going well. That's not successful. But that laid a foundation for me to find something that I get excited about and was able to accomplish and do and that I view as a success. I love it. There's so much valuable information there for people to pull from. And I think that overall, your idea of decluttering your life and the podcasts that you have and the the way that you've kind of put this concept together is super valuable for people. So somebody wants to, other than your podcast, connect with you to discuss this topic further, where's the best place for them to find you? They can go to reawakenyourbrilliance.com. My social media is there. My blog's there. I also have a YouTube channel. You can connect everything and learn more about me there. And I offer a free 15-minute consultation. Amazing. So before we wrap this up, I would love to take just a minute to let everybody get to know you and do a quick random round. Are you okay with that? Uh, Bring it on. All right. What profession other than your own do you think would be fun to attempt? Uh, Welding. Oh, really? I I watched my husband got me hooked on the show and we haven't watched in a while called Forged with Fire. And I was always impressed with that. I'm like, you know what? I'd like to try welding. I think some blow torching might be good. <laughs> That's awesome. If you could time travel, where would you go and why? Oh my gosh. If I could time travel, where would I go? Probably to Star Trek to meet John Luke Picard. Okay. What personality trait or skill or, yeah, personality trait or skill has been the most helpful for you or quality has been most helpful for you throughout your life? My compassion and my ability to have empathy for others. Amazing. As far as reading is concerned, do you prefer physical books or audiobooks? Physical, physical, physical. Are you like a highlighter and a writer in the margins like I am? No, I can't do that. I've been able to start writing in cookbooks, which was a was a step in the right <laughs> direction for me. But yeah, no, I can't. It's very rare that I can do that. No, that's not maybe in a personal growth, a self-help book, I would do that, but that's a challenge. Got it. Although with my online herb class that I'm taking in plant medicine, I probably will do that. As far as books is concerned, what book have you recommended the most? 
Oh, that would probably be The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. You know, somebody just told me about that the other day, and I have not read it yet, but that's the second time in a couple of days somebody's mentioned that to me. I think it's a sign. I think it is a sign too. And it's a quick read, but I'm telling you, it's a book I'm sure I read every year to remind me. Okay. Okay. Let's get back to this. That's awesome. I am a music nerd. So I always have to throw this question in there. What is your pump up song right now? What motivates you the most? The song I'd have to say, I really like a firework. I think that's a title by Katie, uh, Katie Perry. And don't even ask me to sing it. Your your (laughs) listeners will run. You know what? That might be my new segment. Maybe I'll start asking my guests to sing their motivational song instead. Um, Do you have a morning routine? And if so, what does it look like? I wake up and set my attention for the day. I visualize my day. And one of the reasons I do that is if I see myself, it allows me to see myself overcoming a challenge or an obstacle. Just like, okay, it's a challenge. Let's rock and roll. And let's go through that. And feeding the cats, checking email, then enjoying a cup of coffee with my husband. That's amazing. I have really enjoyed our conversation today. I'm going to post your link to your podcast as well as your YouTube channel and your website in the show notes so people can come track you down if they want to connect with you in one way or another. Um, And again, thank you so much for all the value that you provided to the audience today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the show. I hope that something that was said resonated with you or provided value to you in one way or another. I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on the show. You can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Amber Furman. Also, I've created a Facebook community for followers of the show to interact with me and other members of the community. You can find that on Facebook at More Than Corporate. So go ahead and join that group if you'd like to stay up to date on podcast happenings and meet some really cool people. Again, thanks so much for tuning in.